As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Shamrock, presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by my co-host, Matt Fortuna in Chicago. Today, special guests. I think we've had a pretty good hit rate with um, former Notre Dame walk-ons coming on the show and having excellent pods. So, uh, Tyler Plants... um, one of, I, I think, a, a walk-on and a name that most Notre Dame fans know. Um, one, thanks for taking some time to be with us today uh, on Thanksgiving week. And I guess just, you know, your Notre Dame experience has been, I think, a family one deeper and more meaningful than than most. Um, and I guess before we get started, I, I was curious, like, just sort of have you explain what Notre Dame means to you and your family. Um, we could probably go on in 20 minutes just on that one topic. But uh, before we get into sort of your coaching journey, I, I wanted to touch on that first. Um, yeah. Again, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to talk with both you guys. Um, but Notre Dame, it was uh, – it's been – it is part of who we are. Um, like growing up from a really young age, my parents essentially – brainwashed us um Notre Dame like we were taking our Christmas pictures in Notre Dame jerseys um my parents painted our room like we were sleeping in Notre Dame Stadium um it was uh it was something that was always in the back of our heads but beyond that it's something that always motivated us like whenever we take a test we literally write our names and then an ND um at school so it was like okay well we would make sure to get our work done because we wanted to go to Notre Dame in fourth grade. Or like we would be working out because, you know what, maybe we get a chance to play football at Notre Dame. So it was always something that was in the back of our heads, motivating us um, to really push ourselves to the next level. Um, And then when that dream became a reality here, uh, like I remember getting my acceptance letter, my entire family sitting in the backyard crying when I get back from a seven on seven. Um, my senior year. And it was like, wow, what a cool thing where it's like, it was like, we all did it. So, and then eventually my, both my brothers did it. And now my youngest sisters at St. Mary's, um, 
so kind of setting that benchmark of, of South Bend, Indiana, of, of being at Notre Dame. Um, and then what it meant to me just as my career progressed first as a player, a guy who was able to walk on and then leave with the scholarship, just the memories and, and people that I was able to meet throughout that time and what they did for me throughout my four years. And beyond that, being able to turn that into a career um, where I was able to coach my younger brother, bring my family around. Um, and then how it's morphed into like, it's was something that I've always wanted to be part of to something that's truly, I guess, in our DNA. Um, so it's hard to, hard to completely encompass what Notre Dame means to us. Um, but it's, uh, again, you, you hear it from everybody, but it's just such a special place and for it to have such a special place in the heart of my family, um, just makes us so excited to get back to it. Tyler, refresh my memory. Were you a preferred walk-on or did you have to go try out like a regular Joe when you got there? So I, uh, that's a good story too. So when I got <laughs> accepted in, like my senior year, I was like, all right, well, recruiting's not going great. I actually used to have these elevator shoes like Sylvester Stallone would wear. Um, so it's like two inch heels and then like three inches inside of the shoe. So like you'd look taller. So it'd be like walking on stilts down the hallway. But um, recruiting didn't really pick up. Um, was having Ivy League, talking with Ivy Leagues, talking with um, military academies, and nothing really stuck. So it was probably going to be D3 or a walk-on opportunity. Um, when I got accepted into Notre Dame, my dad, who, again, similar to Coach Eastan, told me to run through a wall or wood. My dad, the same thing. He's like, hey, you know, the best way to do this is uh, to get in a suit and drive to South Bend. And I was like, what? He's like, no, yeah, let's in a suit and tell them that you – but you wanted the chance to play on the team. So obviously I dress up in a suit, drive to South Bend, Indiana, bang on the Goog door, and uh, sit down with Tim McDonald for like 20 minutes explaining how I really want to play football at Notre Dame. And I'm sure he gets that, like, now that being on the other side of it, you realize that these guys get bombarded with emails, phone calls, and everything else. Um, but him taking the time just is a testament to the kind of guy that he is. Um He's like, all right, well, I'll let you know when everything comes. You come in the fall, we won't have a spot for you, but we'll have tryouts come the spring. So I tried out in the spring, walked onto the team then. I actually played rugby throughout that fall, boxed that fall, and then came on the team um, for spring ball when Cam, Cam Robeson actually broke his uh, or tore his ACL and everything inside of his knee. Um, that's when I got uh, invited onto the team. I think the, the answer to this is, is probably obvious to you, but not to other people. Like, why, why do that? Why put yourself through essentially being a tackling dummy for three, four years for a chance to get on the field? You know, I've talked to Nick Lazinski about this, um, you know, talked to other walk-ons about that. And I think the, the passion behind that um, – is you know kind of, I think something that really can't be overstated because like the belief that it requires to do that is is really off the charts. Yeah. The um, the passion for Notre Dame was obviously there, but I would kind of go in there with just like probably a completely inflated mindset where I'd be like, well, I mean, if I just kick their ass, I can play, right? So mm -hmm. on a daily basis, my job was. Well, I was a linebacker turned running back just because that was the need on the roster. Um, so the, really the only carryover from linebacker to running back would be essentially lead blocking. 
So the role kind of morphed into like fullback special teams. So every practice I would be the lead hat running myself as fast as I could into to it and <laughs> Shembo and all the boys. Um, but with that, it was like, okay, well, if I can win here, I can win on the field. So it was uh, not necessarily that that correlated, but there was uh, um, there's a there's a passion to play in the game, and then there's also a, a mindset you need to have going into each one of these reps because you're live you're losing a lot height weight wise, probably technique wise, talent wise, strength wise. So you got to bring some kind of mindset into every single one of those one on one matchups, especially throughout the course of a practice. Then, if I'm not mistaken, you. Got a scholarship and got featured on College Game Day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For my for the last season, which was pretty cool. What's that? I mean, yeah, we always see those viral videos and they're always heartwarming. But yours kind of, you know, you got an even bigger stage to, to kind of show yours off with. I remember you saying something like, "I would have paid money to do it" or something. I remember you had a funny yeah. line during it um, on Game Day. I mean, just what what was that like for a guy who's probably been anonymous his whole football career, as far as just putting your head down and doing the job. Yeah, well, I mean, I thrive in living in the shadows. So, like, the if Birch needed me to talk to College Game Day, I talked to College <laughs> Game Day. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it was just, uh, it was pretty uh, organic statement, and they they liked it. Like, I honestly, I thought I said like ten or twelve like heartfelt things that they could have used, and then they went with that one. But, uh, but it was uh, it was really a cool experience. It was it was a cool thing just to kind of get that recognition. But I mean, above that, like it was cool being on game day and everything, but there's nothing cooler than coach Kelly making that announcement on the field. And then the applaud hugs, like handshakes from your teammates. Like that was, that was one of the coolest things I've probably the coolest thing that I've ever been a part of. So just seeing like, okay, well you did it. And it's recognized was, was a pretty awesome thing. So, I mean, game day was great and everything, but the recognition from my teammates was was the coolest. What uh, And what sort of led you to get into operations analyst roles here? Um, was that – I don't know if you always felt a call to get into coaching, and we can get into sort of where your career is going here in a minute, but, like, was that, was that almost sort of like being a walk-on again? Like, you have to do the grunt work – that nobody sees you have to sort of operate in the shadows and like be willing to do stuff that nobody else is willing to do. Like, and was part of the motivation just like, I want to be connected to Notre Dame as long as humanly possible. Um, I'm sure that was a piece of it deep down, but for me, it was just such an opportunity to learn. Um, okay. Like I was able to learn from the people that are the best at what they do, essentially like being able to learn from coach Kelly on a day-to-day -day basis being able to be around some of the coordinators that have come in and out from Matt LaFour, Mike Denbrock, and just seeing it like Clark Lee, Mike Elko, and all of these coaches that have been able to come through. It's like, that's a pretty, just to be a fly on the wall for some of these football conversations that these guys have had has been really enlightening for me. And then I've been able to work in all different departments. Um, so seeing the way that Coach Bayless works, seeing the way that Jake Flint works, seeing the way that Robert Steinler, who's now the head guy at, at Southern California, seeing the way that David Blue works, who's now the head guy down at Alabama, seeing how Aaron Wellman works, like was it the Giants now with with Indiana, with Indiana. Like it was cool for me because I knew that 
any place that I would be able to be at, I'd be learning from somebody who'd go on to be a, to be a superstar somewhere or who already was a superstar. Um, and just the, what I'd be, what I'd be able to kind of retain and, and messages learned from these people was, has been invaluable. So a lot of it was sometimes doing the, the grunt jobs, but just to be a fly on the wall and retain some of the information from these really superstars of their profession has been really rewarding. So you were, I think you worked in the strength department, the operations department, you worked with special teams, I think as an analyst at one point, what, what am I missing? You wore a lot of hats there. Special teams, <laughs> offense. I worked a little bit with the linebackers. Um, I think I've worked, I've done about everything besides for tape ankles. Like I've been on I've done video before. Um, been on video, helped out in the equipment room, done it all. But, uh, but yeah, so I think we started coming in. I actually called when I got done playing, I called Chad. There was a guy who was taking a credit for a class who was helping out with operations. I was like, Hey, I'd, I'd love to be able to help out in his role when he leaves. He's like, well, it's not a role. I was like, Chad, come on. Like, <laughs> like I'll do it. He's like, I know you will plants. Um, and then from there, when he left, I took over for him midway through the, I think it was a 2015 season. And then it was just whatever was required after that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What what was the the biggest lesson you learned being around Brian Kelly um, and your experience with him? I think is is probably more well rounded than the guys on the team now. Just because like if you show up to Notre Dame now, it's like oh you just win ten games, it's no problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know when you you were here in a time of transition where like winning eight games was hard as hell, um, and like you just never knew what the next season was going to be like. So having been around sort of BK 1.0 and BK 2.0, what, what are the biggest lessons learned there? How, and how do you think he's sort of, he's sort of grown, even if he's been doing this for 30, 32 years? Yeah. Well, that's been one of the coolest things to be able to watch where kind of coming in, he was the um, disciplinarian kind of, all right, this is how we're going to do things. I'm going to help call the plays. Um, We'll see you guys when we see you. Um, but again, a guy who won. So it's like, all right, this guy's a winner. So, I mean, you respect what he have to say. And for him to be able to look in the mirror and be like, all right, well, this is the new generation of kids. And this is the way that we need to do it. Where the emphasis shifted to player centered talking, uh, demanding, not demeaning. And I'm sure these are all things that you've heard from BK, but being able to mm-hmm. pivot is not easy. 
um, especially for football coaches who think they're infallible. You know what I mean? Like for BK to be humble enough to be like, all right, well, this is where this is where kids answer. Um, and this is the direction we need to go was awesome to see. And the other thing was just the emphasis on commitment to each other. Um, like the phrase that I always think is best is sweat equity. And then that where that's earned more than anywhere is in the weight room. So coach Longo, he's again, one of my favorite coaches, a mentor of mine, um, great guy. Um, but being able to see kind of what coach Bayless did with a lot of different, um, programs implementing the starving board um implementing just different player accountability teams um different competition pieces and being able to really ramp up what we were doing um strength conditioning wise where that's where you're spending the most time with each other um you're able to see which players work hard you're going to develop trust amongst one another because this guy shows up every day and i know he'll do his job um, and then beyond that, you start to see the care factor of the coaches because with so much time dedicated to, to your development, like this is an X and O scheme, like I'm going to trick a play for this is I'm committed to you developing, developing as a player, as a man, developing your fundamentals, developing the weight room, making sure any nicks are taken care of, making sure that your, that your mental is also addressed and, and, uh, prepared as well as we can. Um, but just the care factor between like uniting the locker rooms with the SWAT teams to um, being able to see the sweat equity amongst the players to more visibility with the coaching staff. That's been the difference um, beyond anything else. And that all boils down to kind of BK pivoting his, his process, um, which is gone from us basically you think about my senior year we were undefeated going to florida state and then we lost the game and we couldn't figure out motivation to play anymore and the wheels fell off um versus now it's like i remember the clemson game last year clemson goes down scores we're losing and avery davis is just like this season's not in or this game's not ending like this we're winning this thing like that mentality is what gets developed through this shift in the process Tyler, we talked a little bit about this uh, before we start recording, but you know, you spent this past year coaching at Bethany College, a D3 school in West Virginia. You're about to take over as a head football coach at your alma mater, Providence Catholic. Take us a little bit through that journey. Just what's that mean to you? I mean, to, you know, to, to have that job, to have that position at a place that obviously means so much to you. I mean, was that something you always wanted to do? Did it just kind of the cards align right time-wise? How did that kind of come about, and what do you hope to do with this position? So... Um... It was something where I always saw potentially doing it in the back end of my career, maybe winning a couple of Super Bowls and then going back to, to Providence. Um, but um, last year, as, as you guys know, my, well, we lost our bro my brother in a, in a car accident, and that kind of shifted um, my vision for what my career was kind of on its head. Um, and beyond that, it's just kind of things happen for a reason sometimes, and a lot of times things don't happen for a reason. But um, for the job to open, um, again, my family, um, being able to get closer to my family for a little bit and then being able to take over a program that means so much to us. Um, it was just kind of a no brainer for me. Um, so 
our goal here with Providence is just kind of, again, appreciate everything Coach Cogs did, appreciate everything that Coach Scheffner did up to this point. It's pretty cool that I'm actually the third, would be the third head coach in program history. Um, but uh, our goal is just to be a tough, hard-nosed football team. Um, like the cool thing coming up for me was you'd always look back on these teams where it was like they didn't take their wrists. We'd wore just white T-shirts to seven-on-seven. Seven. It was just, all right, I'm going to come in, get my job done, do it at the highest capacity. When the play is over, plays over onto the next one. And then do it every single snap until the game's over. So being able to bring back the uh, that same kind of toughness, that same kind of mentality um, with being able to bring some of the stuff that Coach Kelly, um, Coach Bayless um, – have put together over at Notre Dame is something that I'm really excited about. Um, we've already had conversations with coach Bayless, sat down with coach Flint, have actually been going back and forth with coach blue um, because he spent a lot of time in high school to try fine tuning what uh, we want to do in the weight room over there. Um, so it's going to be a, a pretty exciting thing. A really, really exciting thing when we start getting, getting full bore over there at Providence. What, uh, and I guess how much of like going back to Providence, um, you know, your family, Logan, Zach, like has so much like sweat equity, like you said there, um, to sort of like bring that full circle as a, as a way to sort of honor your brother, Zach, almost on a daily basis there. Is that, I mean, is that part of what gets you excited about this opportunity? That's, that's a hundred percent what makes me excited about the opportunity. It's, um, this couple months ago, my dad spent a lot of the time, but Providence dedicated their weight room actually to Zach. Um, and they did a really, really cool job with the way they did it. There's graphics up on the wall of him. Um, he used to have a, uh, a post-it note that he kept on his, um, bathroom mirror and it said, um, Jesus bless me with your peace. Um, and they actually put that on the wall in his handwriting. Um, so like just seeing that was just like, all right, there's, this is a way to honor Zach. This is a way to carry on his legacy, um, and do what I love, um, coaching football. So it was, it's going to be a hundred percent motivator behind everything I do there. And, and beyond that, my siblings is, it's been Notre Dame. And then my siblings have been my motivator behind everything I've ever done, being able to set a precedent for them set a legacy for us. So being able to have that literally concreted in, in the walls at Providence um, will be even a further motivator behind everything else um, that I'm going to try to do there. What was this year like for you, your first year in I don't know, probably a decade or so, right? Where you weren't actually a part of Notre Dame's football program to watch this season almost at a distance as a fan and to see you know, just this team go from a team that struggled to beat Toledo to a team that might make the college football playoff this year. Um, what, what's your your take on the season? What's it been like to kind of take it in from a distance um, in your role this year? Um, well, it's been it, it's been definitely different. You know, you miss um, the game day atmosphere. You miss the guys. Uh, you miss the staff. But um, it's been awesome to see. It's um, kind of a testament to what we've built where like one of the biggest reasons I wanted to come back and work at Notre Dame was because there was something more to my experience that I felt like I needed, where it was like Notre Dame was 
everything in my head, like this is what Notre Dame was and it wasn't quite there. So that was one of the huge motivators of why I wanted to come back and do everything I could to make sure Notre Dame was there and not saying that I am the core reason for it, but to be, but to be a piece of the puzzle um, and to be able to leave the program in a pretty good state um, gave me a lot of peace of mind at least. Um, But for this season specifically to be able to see um, guys step up at the offensive line position has been awesome where there's been a lot of deficiencies in just starts and reps and for them to start to develop has been awesome for uh, George Takis last week, who everybody would kind of would kind of give him a tough time as a as almost a fringe character on a program to catch a ball and try running through three guys to score a touchdown last week. Like that's awesome to see. And to see all of these guys who were in theory relative to preseason afterthoughts being able to step up to see Xavier Watts be able to come and play a little bit of Rovers successfully. Um, see DJ and Houston step up at safety, seeing them being able to play or even his past game, seeing Myron being able to scoop and score that touchdown. Um, It's cool to see that guys, the state of the program isn't like, oh, we lost Kyle Hamilton's down, we're screwed. It's, hell yeah, this is my opportunity to go and play ball and win for Notre Dame. So that just mental shift um, has been awesome to see. And then coaches being able to be like, all right, well, we got plenty of guys to step up and be in that next role. Not all right. Well, let's see what next season looks like. So that um, just shifting mentality, shifting philosophy throughout the program to now them going from struggling against Toledo to going to beat Stanford's ass on Saturday. So I'm not a fan of Stanford at all. Um, <laughs> and then moving through ideally the playoffs here is, again, a testament to the staff and then a testament to these kids who just won't take no for an answer. Uh, one guy that you're very close with in the program now who's I, I think had a, a really interesting season is is Tommy Reese. Um, you know, I, I think he was sort of play calling at the beginning of the year, but without the entire playbook at his disposal because you're figuring out your quarterback position. What does he do well? What does he not do well? Can I rely on the offensive line or not? What does our run game look like? Um, Michael Mayer is banged up a little bit. Um what can you give us a sense of his football IQ, which everyone says is off the charts, um, and what it's been like to sort of watch him have the success of the second half of the season? And people, it's undeniable that he's calling incredible games now with like more of a full deck. Like, what's that been sort of like to take in as a as a former teammate, as a friend, and obviously as a fan? Um, well, I mean, my number one job, especially in our relationship, is to keep him humble. So don't, <laughs> I'm not going to say his, his football IQ is off the charts, okay? Um, but no, Tommy is a, Tommy is a freaking smart, smart guy. Um, like just his play recall, um, even things that he was, when he was playing or things that he's seen is, is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, going back, it's just a testament to, um, his work ethic, um, and again, I'd be remiss if I didn't say he's not the entire brains behind the operation when you've got you got Dean Petzing in there working his ass off, uh, Gus Raglan, um, Johnny Aylward, uh, Trevor Mendelson, all the boys in the sweatshop um, that are really putting in all the hard work. Um, but uh, 
but they uh, that just what what Tommy brings to the table where one it's he's a young guy who's relatable. So it's like he never has to break through that barrier of like, OK, this guy's an old crusty ball coach who doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like, no, this guy's relevant. He's done it. He's on the record boards, one. And then two, it's like he brings it every day. Like it's not like, OK, there's a day that Tommy's off. It's like he's the same guy every single day. So if you're a consistent person and you're a man of your word and there's some kind of report of how, what you've done in the past, like that's one piece. But then the, um, the ability to adjust and adapt, um, it's not like, hey, this is my playbook. You players aren't good enough. Like, it's like, no, this is my personnel now. It's a little bit different than what we had last year. We're a great team. This is how we become even better. And that's been taking advantage of the pass game. That's been getting the ball to, to Mike Mayer and Kevin Austin. That's been letting Kyron Williams work a little bit. Hasn't been necessarily the 13 personnel that we've seen in the past, but it's it's uh, it's an adjustment to the personnel we have. And that takes a, a special coach to recognize that and be able to pivot there. So, yeah, obviously Tommy's a pretty – he's he's an okay coach. I couldn't help – as you mentioned, a bunch <laughs> of uh... – Names that only the diehards of diehards would recognize. I couldn't help but but think to ask you. You know, we had Chris Fink on a couple of weeks ago, and he said the Wapu Nation, they're going industry a little bit. I mean, what's your take on the state of the nation right now? They're selling merchandise. Um, you know, it's, a lot of these guys have gotten scholarships. What, what, what's your take as a, as a longstanding card-carrying member of Wapu Nation? So, well, the good thing is that Nick Lazinski's still in the bu- in the building, and he's still a true Wapu blue blood godfather. So he's making sure to keep him humble. Like he's making sure guys aren't late for lifts, and he's making sure that um, Milk doesn't take too many self promotion videos. <laughs> Which also, I for the record, I came up with that nickname. Okay, so he hasn't given me you were you were the that. Milk guy. Yes, I'm the Milk guy. So he came out for his day. He came out for a spring ball game, and it was like after he committed. And this is when Milk looked really milky. Um, and honestly, I couldn't think of his name. I was like, is it? It's, uh, uh, and we used to call our, our unit Cheese. Um, so it used to be like, okay, well, we need our, our punts to be like, we don't need long punts. We need them to be like, have great um, hang time, and we need distance will take care of itself. So if you were to have a 5-0 punt, like, and then it'd be like, all right, it's, it's about, it's like a cheese wheel. Like, we want it to look like a cheese wheel. That's what our punts are going to look like. And uh, then Tyler Newsom was like, yeah, because we're, we're cheese. And every time he's like, that's a pretty cheesy punt, right? And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cheesy. Um, and then when, when Milk walked up, it was like everyone's cheese because they're established. And then he's still in the pasteurization process <laughs> as Milk. <laughs> So I always text him, I'm like, so when when does the group get our get our kickback from all this like dairy association <laughs> funding that you're getting over there? Yeah, it was, turned out to be in his best interest never to grow into cheese. <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
You, um, I want to circle back. You're, you're talking about, you know, personnel and like 13 last year and all the tight ends. And I, I thought, I mean, one of Matt and I wrote this a little bit when we did the story on Zach, um, around sort of the holidays last year, the image from the North Carolina game, which is, you know, coming up on a year now of what Tommy called the goal line with 14 personnel. And he wrote, you know, Fortuna on top of the play sheet. I mean, what, what did that moment mean to you in terms of like, man, like Notre Dame, this is what it's about. Like this is, these are the connections that go, um, you know, as, as deep as they do for you and your family. Cause I mean, that image is, it's kind of an iconic image in, in the context of last season. Oh, without, without a doubt. I mean, it's, but the thing is, is that's, that's, they didn't even bat an eye. Like that's who they mm-hmm. are. You know what I mean? Where it's like, guys try selling this picture of like, okay, I'm a family guy or I'm this. It's like, no, like that's who Tommy is. Like when I was down, like I, when I got the news, I didn't know where to go. And I went straight to the locker room and I'm sitting down there in the staff locker room and two guys walk in and it's Jake Flint and, and, and Tommy. And it's like, again, those guys have been there since my time as a player to right now. Um, I think Logan ended up calling them, but like, just for them to be there in that moment um, when I got the news um, and them just feeling it as much as I was feeling it, um, it just shows that there's something different inside of, inside of the goo, you know, where it's like people really care. Like they really like, it felt like everyone's brother passed that day um, with the kind of just love and, a text or a call or a hug or Hunter Biven driving all the way to, to Midway to drop me off to go be with my family. Like it was, um, and him just having all the right words to say throughout that trip. And that, again, that takes a special person to be able to be able to go back with somebody who probably had the most traumatic thing happen in their entire life. And he just, um, was able to, to feel it because his, his dad actually passed when he was younger too. So it's like, there's just so many good people um, inside of that building that um, it wasn't necessarily surprising, but it was just so comforting to be like, all right, like there's, we're not going at this alone um, as I'm trying to digest losing one of my best friends. So, um, and that's something I'll never forget. And I'll pay it for in any way that I can to, to all of those guys, but especially Tommy, to BK, being able to give me and my family the game ball, like stuff like that is um, small potatoes, but it meant the world to us. Like Tommy gave us a call. We were at my brother's favorite restaurant down in Florida, and he called and talked about the game and stuff. And it was just such a – just who these guys are. Like there's no, there's no fake. There's just good people. So that was something my family and I'll never forget. I feel like if we get you out of here without mentioning too much about Logan, we'll never hear the end of it. So what was it like? I mean, his journey was kind of even crazier than yours. I mean, talking to him about it last year, I mean, I think, you know, he had, it was like the real Rudy story as far as like applying, applying, applying. Um, he told me Literally, like bawling yeah, his eyes out when he figured, when he finally found out he got in. But what was that like to witness that? you know, kind of threw him as a big brother. And then what was it like to like coach him and get a chance to kind of boss him around a little bit at Notre Dame? 
well, the one joke I always have, it's like you devalued the Mendoza College of Business degree. For, <laughs> like that's why I had to get into coaching. Once he once he was able to be a double domer, he's got two degrees from Mendoza. It's like, holy cow, like we got to figure that out. Um, but uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, my degree means nothing now. So I'm going to go coach football. Um, but uh, he uh, I mean, he was again my siblings have always been motivation behind everything I've done and the biggest reason I have become um fo- offensive line focused is because he was playing it and I wanted to be able to make sure I was saying all the right stuff and um anytime I could help him so it was when I was in operations and I was working in strength conditioning I'd also try getting in with coach Easton and and Donovan Rayola who was his GA at the time as much as possible continue to learn the position, make sure I could teach him any way that I can. Um, and Logan is, uh, he is, it took a little bit, but he is about as uncoachable as it comes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, Logan, I'm not saying this as your older brother. I'm saying this as a coach. And like being able to to define those lines was always, you would be like, shut up. Like I'm doing fine. I'm like, no, like Logan, I'm trying to help you. Like I'm not, I'm not, picking on you so like figuring out those the fine line between those two um was something we had to had to figure out a little bit but he ended up buying in when it was all said and done but right. um, well maybe yeah that's no, I, I did want to uh if we wrap up on you said you didn't like stanford i, I need to know why and then I, we need a prediction for the game this weekend oh yeah and just just like if here's the bar when we asked Fink for a prediction on Virginia, he said 100 to nothing. I think so they I could have got 100 nothing in that game without Brendan Armstrong if they actually tried for it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, we could have scored 100 last weekend too. So I yeah. mean, we are we are trending in that direction. Um, why do I not like Stanford? I mean, they always. Um, actually, I had to do a pep rally speech for Stanford a couple of years ago. Um, but Stanford, they always claim to be like the toughest, smartest team in the country. And it's like, no, no, no. We've been doing that for years. All right. Just because Dave Shaw shows up and becomes a head coach and you guys are decades of irrelevancy doesn't mean you guys get Andrew Luck and can claim the toughest, smartest team in the country. And I'm glad that we've been able to, to reclaim that title um, undisputed. And I want to make sure that this weekend that uh, that's like stamped in stone. Um. But yeah, I think I think Fink was kind of onto something. I'm thinking about 100 to zero too. It's probably a realistic take. Um, but actually, I think we I don't think that they will score very much. I mean, our defense hasn't given up a touchdown in December or in November yet. Um, and they always have pretty good specialists because they're the nerd school. So let's go. Uh, they'll probably hit a long field goal at some point when we put twos in, threes in. Um, when we'll have, uh, let's go, we'll go uh, 45, 45 to three. I think that'll be the take this weekend. That's reasonable. I like that score. I yep. think mine is going to be pretty close to that. Yeah, I don't think that, it, well, I mean, it's always hard going. It's, it's kind of like the graveyard in Northwestern where it's like you're just going into like this stadium where it's just completely empty. And, uh, it's like Northwestern is having practice and we're over at Stanford. It's like you go up there and you're looking around and then they have like the band that has the, like the Ivy league theme where it's like people are playing a flamingo and like random stuff. It's like, can you, can you just take this game seriously, please? Um, 
but they do so they do stuff different out there in California. So whatever, whatever makes the whatever helps you sleep at night. I think uh, we'll wrap up on that note. I don't know how we can top that. Um, Tyler, really appreciate the time. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you Absolutely. and your family, and uh, look forward to seeing you on the sidelines. Uh, in my backyard over here. I, I live a few blocks from your dad's alma mater, DePaul College Prep. I, he'll call it Gordon, but um, hope to get down to a yeah, game. Yeah, Gordon, go Rams. It's actually pretty funny. He was sending me pictures of – so they have a group chat where I think they send pictures of their state championship win like every other day. So they, they, they live – I think they won in like 1980. So it's like, hey, guys, it might be time to give it up. I'm sure you probably see them wearing their, like, their uh, white and orange – letterman's up there too but it's uh they are very proud of their gordon roots that's fantastic all right well tyler we appreciate you taking some time to to hang with us on thanksgiving week uh and best of luck moving forward to the head coaching gig in high school um i know a lot of Notre Dame fans will be following along pretty closely with providence catholic moving forward so best of luck to you with that we will definitely stay in touch awesome appreciate you guys and have a great day that was Tyler Plants. We thank him for joining the show. And if you enjoyed that, you'll want to be back with us on Wednesday as Pete and I will be recording a bonus episode recapping the college football playoff rankings and previewing Notre Dame's regular season finale at Stanford. Subscribers of The Athletic will have the episode land in their feed and it will be available on Apple Podcasts Plus where you can get all The Athletic's bonus content as well. As always, thanks for listening. We'll connect again with all of you tomorrow.